Hello, my name is Kevin Oberlin, and this session is on the pastor's use of time. And when I've given this session in the past, I've always done it face-to-face -face with people. I've had people in a room, maybe 12, maybe 50 people, and I'd have a lot of interaction, interaction with me, interaction with one another. So I'm going to try to do this um, a little differently. Obviously, we're doing this virtually, and, um, but I really don't want this to be just simply a lecture. And I don't want it to be just simply a presentation that I'm just showing you PowerPoints and you're working through this. So what I'd like to do is do a little bit of an experiment with you. And as we go through the session, at times I'm going to ask you to pause the video. And you may need to pause it to reflect, and that might be like 10 seconds. It might be a minute. Sometimes you might even need to pause the video and just some, take some time to reflect on a piece of paper, maybe like three to five minutes to do a little exercise. And that's okay. But I'm going to try this, and you can tell me, give me some feedback. You all have my email address. You can give me some feedback how it went, because I'd love to hear from you and uh, how this was benefit, benefited you and what value it brought to you. But I'm going to do a little bit of experiment that way. So, so I'm experimenting with this, and I appreciate your patience as we experiment together. But I would ask if you would um, get to a place that you could be distraction-free. Maybe you have a little a den in your room, or if you're in your office, you can shut the door. But you can get to somewhere where you, you can see your computer monitor or see this uh, video, obviously, and get to a nice, comfortable chair. Maybe you can get a cup of coffee or tea if you like that. Um, and I also would ask if you would get a, grab a pad of paper or a notebook somewhere and then get, actually get a pen, something where you can write things down as we work through this. Uh, studies have shown that actually you retain more if you're writing things down with a pen versus even just tapping something on the computer itself. So that way you can draw. In fact, I'm going to ask you to draw some circles and different things and some, some diagrams as you work through some of the processes that we're going to work do together today. So this is a little bit of an experiment, and I appreciate you being part of this. It's actually really exciting to do this with you, and it's such a privilege to be able to, be, um, to speak to you today. So the session today is um, the pastor's use of time. And let me put that up here. And I like to start off with a diagnostic tool. And what I like to do is um, look at your life holistically. I like to look at the big picture of your life. I always like to look at the big picture and then let's, then let's, let, let's get down to the narrow, uh, or narrow in on the, the, the details. So in order to do that, I like to do an exercise with you, which I'm going to ask you this question are what are the key categories of your life? Now, <clears throat> in Western society, many times, this is how we talk. We talk about certain key categories in people's lives. And so we'll, we'll talk about someone having, you know, your, your social life. You know, how's your social life doing, we might say. Or how's your work life? Um, how's your, how's your, um, your financial life? Or whatever it is. So that's, that's many times how we talk. We use that type of language. And so I'm asking you, what are the key categories of your life? And if you want to, you can pause. You don't have to pause the video really at this point. This is not really a major thing. But I would like you to think through what are the various categories of your life. And I'm going to go ahead and give you some here. Uh, for example, your physical health. So physically, that, that's a category of your life. Um, your career, your work, and ministry, that's another category of your life. Um, your family and friends, that would be your relationships at large. That's a category of your life. Um, your environment is another category. And you might say, well, what do you mean by environment? Well, um, like, like you might say, I'll, I'll use a corny example for, um, 
so you, you maybe you're gonna sit down, you're gonna do a sermon and you're in your office, but there's like paper everywhere, there's trash, there's books and piles of different things on your desk, and you kind of have to like take 10 minutes to like clear off your desk, you know, pick up things off the floor, and then <clears throat> even be able to just kind of clear it all out to put your laptop down or your book down or what, your Bible or whatever it is, and a notepad out to start prac- or writing up, writing up your sermon for that week, okay? Obviously, your environment is not conducive to accomplish what you're trying to accomplish. So that's an example, kind of a silly example. But I think, you know, we look at, you know, our environment. Is our environment, is, does it bring us stress when we're at home um, in the backyard? Is it stressful because of all the things we're looking at we got to do or, or in our house or in our car? Um, you know, and then there's the whole idea of like environment where we talk about, like we even use the term BPA-free plastic, right? Because there's toxins in our environment. So is your environment toxic uh, in the literal way, or is it toxic in the stressful way, what it does to your mind? So that's our environment. And sorry, I took so long to talk about that, but I just want to make sure you're clear on that. And hopefully you are from what I've explained. Another one would be your finances. Uh, what are your, what is your financial picture and what does that look like? And uh, um, I'm going to s- switch screens here like this so maybe you can see it a little bit better. And then the, um, the other category could be your own personal growth. So God's giving you some passions, some God-given passions. You have some God-given uh, talents. You have the Holy Spirit living within you, so you have a spiritual gift. Okay, are you growing? Are you personally, a per, a, are you developing at the personal level? Um, your spiritual life, your relationship with God, uh, understanding Christ's heart, knowing it, and actually having this, this, this true personal relationship, your spiritual life, is that growing? Um, that's another category of your life. And then recreation, rejuvenation, the idea of renewal. Are you being renewed? Um, and so that could be mentally, it could be physically. So the idea is with that, with, with your recreation is, um, are you doing things that recreate you periodically so that you can keep moving and you don't have burnout? So um, obviously every day we're doing that through sleep. But it could be that uh, maybe taking a walk in the neighborhood could give you some renewal or fresh mindset by spending some time in the Word of God, meditating on a verse. So are you doing, are there things, various things in this particular category of your life that you're constantly being able to refresh and renew and be recreated, if I will, if you'll say, or if you could say, or rejuvenated. Okay, so what I'd like to do now is put up on the screen uh, what we call the Wheel of Life. So you have these eight categories I've given to you. And actually, before I do that, um, the question I'd like to ask you is, can you think of something in your life that, that doesn't fall under one of these categories, doesn't fall under one of these umbrellas, if you will? So you have them there listed. Look at the eight. And you can pause the video if you want to just kind of think through that. I would say, and I, I'm not really expecting you to say yes, I would think that generally speaking, these, that these could be, I could say it this way, that these could be categories that generally cover all of our life. I mean, your physicalness, your ministry, your work, your relationships, your contacts that you're in, um, the, the, the economic, the economy of what you're doing, your own personal growth, your own relationship vertically with the Lord, and then you're being able to continually do that. I, I would think that this does cover it, but maybe there is something that's, that's new for you. Um, but to the degree that it does actually capture, in general senses, all the areas of your life, that can be helpful as we do a diagnostics tool right now about your life holistically, that you actually work through that. So let's go ahead and do that. So what I have here is um, a circle, 
And I'm going to ask you to take that piece of paper, that notebook or whatever you are, whatever you have, and I'm going to ask you to go ahead and uh, reproduce this circle on a piece of paper. Go ahead and draw a full circle. Uh, mine's cut off a little bit at the top and the bottom, but go ahead. You can just make a full circle. And then you have 10 concentric circles that go down to the center. So try to just reproduce what I have on the screen here. You have a major circle, and then you have these concentric circles all the way down to the center point um, so that there's 10 circles total. And then you'll notice that you have um, also within these concentric circles, you have that they're, they're, they're broken up like a pie shape. So you can then make a line through the circle this way and then horizontally, and then like an X, you can make lines. And so then you have this circle here with 10 concentric circles going down to zero with pieces of pot, pieces of the pie that you're breaking up, and you actually have eight, eight pieces of the pie. And of course, those eight pieces would stand for the eight categories that we're using for your life. Okay, so just take a moment. You can pause the video. And if you go ahead and make that circle before we continue. Okay, I'm going to continue. And what I would like you to do now is I'd like you to go ahead and take the eight categories I'm going to go back to those eight categories so you can see those again. And you've got your, your um, there we go. You've got your circle in front of you. And I like to go ahead and label each one of those pieces of the pie around the pie. Go ahead and, and label those categories. So maybe on, in the top you could put start out physical health and go, just go around the circle. Physical health, career, work, family, friends, all the right way around. So each one of those pieces of the pie is labeled with one of those eight categories. Okay, just take a moment and do that. You can pause the video if you like, if that's helpful to you. And um, you should have all these down in concentric circles. Okay, now that we've done that, um, here's the question for you. I'm going to ask you for each one of these categories in the circle of life. So in this particular circle, in each one of these categories, how well or how satisfied are you in that particular area. So let's start off with the first one, the first category, physical health. How satisfied are you with your physical health, the current condition of your physical health? And I'm not saying that, that you would expect to be a you know, world-class athlete. Maybe somebody, somebody is that's watching this. Um, and of course, zero would be like you're, 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 um, you're extremely, I mean, that's, that's like the worst health you could possibly be in. Um, and so where are you from zero to 10? And you can just look on this. You just go ahead and draw a line right on that particular circle. You can see I'm doing it on the screen. Just draw a line on that particular circle wherever you are. So maybe you're at a three, maybe you're at a five, maybe you're at a seven, wherever it is, wherever you would imagine. You say, well, how do I know which one? Well, just as long as you're consistent with yourself, that's what, that's what matters. So from zero to 10, what, what number would you give yourself? And then go ahead and draw a line right there. Um, for that particular category, and then go to the next category. Um, you can go and look at what you know. What's what's the next category? And uh, career, work, family and friends, environment, finances. And what I want you to do is go through the circle and ask. Keep asking yourself this question: How satisfied am I right now? Where I should be? I know I'm. I'm I know this is a work in progress, and it's, I'm continually growing in this particular area. But am I satisfied that I'm where I should be right now in this particular area? Okay, so go through, pause the video, and ask your, yourself that question, and then put a, put a, um, a line across 
wherever that is, you can see on my circle, put a line on your, right there on that circle, wherever that is. So sometimes it'd be here, sometimes it might be out here, wherever that is, pause the video and do this. And this might take you, this could take you three, five, maybe 10 minutes, and that's fine. Just take the time to diagnose where, how satisfied you are in that particular category, how things are going. Okay, so I've expected that you've paused the video, you've done that exercise, and you've looked at your wheel. Now, when you look at that wheel, where you put that, where you put that, um, that particular line, what, I've like, what I'd like you to do is wherever that line is, from that line down to the center, I'd like you to just fill in that whole area, just shade in that whole area. Wherever it is to that, from that line all the way down in, just shade in that area. And so basically what you'll have is you'll have some, some piece of the pie that will be here from the lines here and you'll just shade everything down. And then the next piece, you might have a little bit closer to the center and you'll just shave in, you know, uh, shade in that area and you'll just go all around, around the circle and do that. Go ahead and just pause the video, maybe take one minute, two minutes to do that. Just shade that, all that in and just kind of outline that whole circle as you go around. Okay, now you're back, you've, you've shaded in that circle. And here's my question for you. Is this an accurate, when you look at your life now, you're basically looking at your entire life, is that an accurate snapshot of your life? Is that an accurate snapshot of your life? And you're looking at it, you say, well, I, I guess so, because I've answered this question, this is where I put it. Okay, so how, how satisfied are you at, with this complete picture? And where are you the lowest? Where is the lowest category for you? Where is the highest category for you? How concerned are you with how many low categories you have and how many high categories you have? If this was, a, if this was supposed to be a wheel that was going to go down the road, if I have certain categories that are further in and other categories that are out, how well would this actually roll down, down the hill? Would it be like kathunk, 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 kathunk because it's so out of proportion? Now you might just need to pause and think about some of these things I've asked you. And again, I like to this to be more of an interactive coaching, virtual coaching session with you. So here's a question for you. And then maybe you could just pause, pause the video and think through this. If you are going to try to optimize the circle, and work on bringing as many of these categories out as further, as far as possible, so that they're, they're even, they're pushed out, and they're more even, which category would you focus on to be able to get maximum or optimal leverage on all the other categories? Now, you might need to pause and just think about that. So the question is, which category of your life should, if you focused on that, would give you the greatest optimal value in all the other categories of your life? Now, when I ask that question in a group setting, sometimes, many times people will say, they'll raise their hand or just say, hey, you know, I'm, maybe your spiritual life, because obviously your relationship with God affects everything. And I think in many, in many 
there's many reasons to say that would be a good answer, but that that's not always the best answer in some sense. I mean, you you need to have a relationship with God, but do you, do you know a lot of people that have a solid relationship with God, but maybe that some of the other categories are not are not doing really well. So it can also be that some things are that your relationship with God is not well, but you could be doing really well in another category. In other words, there's a lot of people who have really good financial success in that category, but their relationship with God is not doing well. Um, That's possible, right? So I'm not necessarily looking for a right or wrong answer. I'm really asking you this question directly, sincerely, which category do you think, I mean, how you're made, your personality, your background, how are you made and what, what category, what would be optimal for you to optimal way to leverage and push out all those categories? Uh, one person had told me that actually for them, it was their physical health. They, they actually realized that when they exercised, when they ate right, and they felt really good physically, and they had a lot of energy because they felt really good physically. I mean, they, they took off the pounds, and they really got their body in optimal shape, if you will. Okay, they're not like a triathlon, but they, they were really optimal shape. They felt really good. They're eating right. They're drinking water. They're exercising uh, like they should be. They're enjoying, you know, uh, that, those type of things. They said when my body was in that shape, it was actually easier for me to discipline my life in all these other areas because I had the energy and the stamina and the mental clarity to be able to do that. So they told me, they said, you know, my, my spiritual life actually got better when, when my physical, when I actually was disciplined in my physical life. The discipline that I had in my physical life rolled over into my spiritual life, if you will. And so that was their experience. And so I'm just trying to give you some things to think about as we're we're thinking about um, how you're going to be productive and how you're going to really turn the corner and be able to have optimal value in the resources and the time that God's given to you. What is that? And and I'm just giving you one example. It could be something else. But what I've done right now is giving you this diagnostic tool. You've done your own. You've diagnosed your own life. You've, You've looked at that. And now you have some things to think about. And what's really valuable about this is you can do this. You can keep this piece of paper that you have this note, you know, in your notepad or whatever, this, this wheel of life, so to speak. And you can just put a date on it, you know, t- today. And put this, you know, this summer 2000, June or July, whatever you're, whenever you're watching this particular uh, session, I'm going, I'm, I'm going to put my date on there. And then you can, you know, six months from now, 18 months from now, you know, 24 months from now, you can do this again. Five years from now, you can pull this out and you can do this. And you can see... Don't look at your old one. You could just see then how things have changed based upon um, how you've been responsible with your opportunity. So what I'd like to do now is, um, and I hope that was really valuable. I'd love to interact with you more about this. This can be a really helpful tool that you can do, like I said, uh, over the years to be able to, get, to, to continually diagnose what's going on uh, in your situation. So I'd like to move on and talk particularly about time management and productivity. <clears throat> time management and productivity. And with this, with this idea, I like to just ask a very basic question. And some of the material that I have, I, I want to, um, uh, I got, I, I'm using, utilizing is f- from What's Best Next, Matt Perman's book, How the Gospel Transforms the Way You Get Things Done. I'm using uh, material from Chally's, um, uh, just a number of other sources. I'll try to cite all those as I go through. Some of the outlining even comes from, from Perman as I go through this. But I want to, I just want to, um, I want to give as many resources and tools and 
um, um, things that you can have as you as you leave this session that can be beneficial to you. So I'm going to really start kind of at the foundation and kind of set a foundation uh, for us. So I'm going to talk about the idea of productivity because really we want to manage our time. Why? So that we can be productive, right? But my question is, is it biblical? Is is God interested in our productivity? I mean, is that important? Or does that kind of sound, you know, not so spiritual? Is God interested in your productivity? So that's a, that's a, that's a great question to ask because I, if you can't give a Bible verse to that, then, then we might be talking about the wrong thing. But I think the Bible is replete with the idea that there is, there is a responsibility that we have regarding productivity. I mean, all the way back in the garden. Uh, all the way back in Genesis 1, for chapter verse, verse 28, you can see that God is interested in productivity. God is interested. God has something for us to do, and God is interested in that. Uh, Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30, moving into the New Testament, the parable of the talents. It's very clear that there is, there is God is interested in how we've been responsible in the opportunities he's given to us, whether it's little, you know, a little bit more or, or quite a bit. Uh, proportionally or relatively. Uh, Ephesians 5, 5, 15 through 17 is another passage. Psalm 90 teaches the number of days. Now, again, I want this to be a really a, not just a lecture to you. I want this to be a kind of a coaching session with you. So I'm doing this uh, with you. So please be patient with me and and uh, humor me. And so I, I might have you pause the video here and just kind of reflect. It might take you 30 seconds. It might take you a minute, whatever. That's fine. But I have some questions to ask you. How would you define productivity? How would you define productivity in reference to time, talents, and resources? Go ahead and just pause the video and answer that question. Or what are the biggest obstacles to your productivity? Okay, what are the biggest obstacles to your productivity? I'd like you to just take a moment in your notebook, in your notebook just pause the video and just write out some of the biggest obstacles that you've had for your own productivity. Okay. Another question. What is the most important advice you'd give to someone so that they could be more productive? What is the most important advice you'd give to someone so that they could be more productive? You know, a lot of times we actually know more than what we actually, what we do. We're bet we know more than what we do. And, we'll, you know, someone comes to us, we can give it good advice, but sometimes we can't appropriate that advice for ourselves. Well, go ahead and give that advice. What would that look like? What is the most important piece of advice you give to someone so that they would be more productive? Go ahead and pause the video and answer that question. All right. And the final question here at this particular area is what should motivate us to be more productive? What should motivate us to be more productive? Why don't you pause the video and just think about that? What would motivate you? Now, there could be a number of things that would motivate you. And obviously, we do all things for the Lord, whether you eat, whether you drink, whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. So obviously the glory of God should motivate us. Um, but is there anything else? I like what Perman says in his book. I'm going to read from page 88 in his book. He says here, being productive 
is about doing good for others, creatively, competently, and abundantly. Understood in this sense, productivity is indeed a fruit of the Spirit. For this is actually the means of kindness, which Paul lists as one of the chief fruits of the Spirit. We often think of kindness in rather dull terms, simply as being nice. You know, he's a nice guy or she's a nice girl. Okay, I actually went away from the quote here. Let me go back. But as Jonathan Edwards points out in his book, Charity and Its Fruits, to be kind doesn't simply mean to be nice. Rather, it means to be proactive in seeking good for others. It means to be free and liberal in doing good. Hence, when Paul says that love is kind, he means, as Edward summarizes, that love will dispose us freely to do good to others. So I am, what's my motive for being, for being productive? Perman, what the big idea Perman's arguing, is he's saying that, that love is the guiding principle for all of life. This is the motive that we have for being productive. Why, do I, why, do, why am I trying to be productive? Because I want to do good. The verse that comes to mind that, that I've thought of often over the years is that I'm commanded to, go, to do good to all men, especially those of the household of faith. So my motive in productivity is to do good. Yes, to honor God, because he's the creator of all. I want to obey him. I want to uh, enjoy him. I want to be able to honor him with my life. But I want to do good. I want to be productive for, so that I can do good to other people. And this radically changes um, your whole perspective on time management, what you're actually accomplishing week by week. So my question for us at this point is, what is efficiency and what is effectiveness? What is efficiency and what is effectiveness? Now, I'd like you to take a moment and humor me, pause the video, write down the word efficiency, and give me your best definition. Write down the word effectiveness and give me your best definition. Go ahead and just pause the video. Don't Google it ahead of time. Just pause the video and tell me what you think. Okay. Efficiency is doing things well. Whereas effectiveness is actually doing the right thing. So efficiency is doing well, do things well. Effectiveness is doing the right thing. Which one is most important and why? Go ahead and pause the video and, you know, see if you can figure that out. See if you can just jot down a reason why one would be more important than the other. Well, I'm going to argue that effectiveness trumps efficiency any day. Effectiveness is the most important. It's the optimal thing because you're doing the right thing. You can do, you can do a lot of things well, but if you're not even doing the right thing, what does it matter? It's kind of like, you know, if this is zero and then I have all these positive numbers, like, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and I have, here's zero again, I have negative numbers, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight negative numbers, and I could be like, man, I'm really good at doing this, but I'm not doing the right thing, so I'm actually going into the red, and I'm all the way out here, like, negative eight. But here's someone else who's not really good at doing, the, doing something, but they're doing the right thing. They're moving forward, and maybe they're only at level, you know, plus two in the same time that it took, you know, me to do minus eight. Well, once I figure I'm doing the wrong thing, I got to turn around 
go minus eight to, to zero, and then I got to go one, two, just to get three, just to get to the where that person was, even though they're not doing well. It's obviously always better to be able to be doing the right thing. And then let's figure out how to do it well. We can always figure out how to do that or get better at it later. So time management really has to do with the idea of doing the right things. That is the key, doing the right things. And I'm going to borrow from uh, principles of modern productivity. Um, I'm going to borrow it really from the secular world as I talk through this. But if you can capture this, this, this in some ways is very basic. So I apologize if you're like, man, this is so basic. But, but in, in many ways, this is so profound. And I enjoy hearing this every time because I need this in my own soul because I have to make sure that, you know, I'm stewarding my life and doing the right things, not just doing a lot of things well. So principles of modern productivity say that we're living in the age of knowledge work. Okay, we're living in the age of knowledge work. So what does that mean? Well, there's a professor, a business professor named Peter Drucker, who said this. <clears throat> the knowledge worker cannot be supervised closely in detail. He can only be helped, but he must direct himself and he must direct himself toward performance and contribution. That is effectiveness. He must direct himself to do the right thing. Okay, so we're living in the age of knowledge work. Um, Scott Belsky says the ideas that move industries forward are not the result of tremendous creative insight, but rather masterful stewardship. You know, we're not looking for you to be the most creative pastor. Like, you know, you come to the sermon text and you're just trying to be so creative. I mean, obviously you want to be interesting to listen to, but, but, but it's really, are you stewarding? Are you doing the right things? Are you stewarding the text? Are you explaining what the text says? I mean, we, we have that principle as we, as we exegete and, our, our, and use hermeneutics every week to present and, and prepare messages and then preach those messages. So creativity is not always the best thing, right? We're not trying to add new things. So I think we understand it in that context of a, from a pastor's perspective, but it's, it's, not, it's not the person who's the most creative, but it's actually the person who is stewarding, that's constantly doing the right thing. And yes, learning how to do it well, being efficient at it eventually as they can, but doing the right things actually trumps effect, uh, um, trumps efficiency any, any day. So what are the core principles of productivity? Well, Drucker says if there's any one secret of effectiveness, it's concentration. Effective executives, okay, I'm borrowing from the secular world, do first, do first things first, and they do them one at a time, one thing at a time. In other words, multitasking is so out of style. That is, that, that is not what we want to be. Like, I'm really good at multitasking. That's not what you want to be good at. You want to be good at concentration, focusing. And that is really key. Seth Godin says this, decide what really matters and do it. Once you decide, you don't need to worry about all this other stuff. You can just do the thing you decided is important. And I love this phrase. You don't need more time. You just need to decide. There it is. You don't need more time. You just need to decide. I think that's so powerful because we know what well, you've heard. You know, we all have the same amount of hours in the day. You know, we've heard these cliches. They're, they're, they're true, right? But, but you have, that's what really time management is about. Time management is that you don't need more time to manage. You just need to decide what is best with the time God's given to you? See, there's a stewardship there. 
So these are principles I'm taking from the secular um, business world, etc. People who maybe don't even know the Lord. But this is like common grace. This is, this is like wisdom that God's given to image bearers to understand and, and, and that actually you could find the same wisdom in Scripture. This is wisdom that is helpful for us even in our own ministry, the pastor's use of time. And so um, Drucker says there that that first quote I gave you, that you know, a knowledge worker, someone who's doing knowledge work, cannot be supervised closely. He can be helped, but he has to direct, he or she has to direct themselves, right? Okay, so that's very interesting because you think, what's the opposite of knowledge worker? Well, somebody who's supervised. Okay, so for example, someone building a building or a wall, um, they're building that and you have a supervisor and you have people doing you know, the, the nitty-gritty you know, details or whatever it is, maybe laying bricks or I don't, I don't know, whatever. And they're supervising you. They say, okay, do that. Or here's the blueprint. Okay, now we're going to do this. And they're, they're showing every little detail and they're kind of working together and doing it. That's not what knowledge work is. I mean, it would be really ridiculous for someone to say, okay, uh, okay, you're gonna, they're going to come into your office. They give you the, put down the laptop on the, on the table and they say, okay, okay, now press this key. Press enter. And you're like, okay, enter. Okay, now open up this file. Okay, you go to open up this file. Okay, now I want you to go over here and I want you to, um, you know, put this file over into this box. Okay, I do that. Okay, now I want you to go over here and grab this book off the shelf. Okay, I'm going to grab this book off the shelf. Now I want you to look at, and you'd be like, what do you, why are you, t- this is ridiculous. I can't, you're standing over my shoulder telling me like everything to do on my computer, what to do. I'm just, just let me do my stuff. The knowledge worker cannot be supervised closely in detail. He can only be helped. He can only be given a laptop. He can only be given like Logos library or a library that he can, you know, jump. In. He can only be given a really good text of scripture. So he can, you know, he's got the Bible. He can, he can open up or concordance or maps or whatever he needs. That is, that's what a knowledge worker is. The pastor's role is a lot of knowledge work. So you can't be supervised closely, but you, you can only, you can only be helped. You can only be given resources. But you need to direct yourself to actually what is best. You have to direct yourself and you must redirect yourself toward performance and contribution. That is effectiveness, doing the right thing. And you got, you're going to manage your time to the degree that you're actually knowing that you're doing the right thing at any given moment. And that's what knowledge work is all about. Now, the pastoral role has two roles because it's actually knowledge work, but it's also people work. So it combines these two things. And therefore, it's, it's, actually, it's actually even more complicated. So it's very significant that we do these things well. But let me, let me go back to this idea of concentration. I think it's interesting I, that um, there, was a, there was an article. Um, in fact, let me grab this. There was an ar- uh, article. I gave you the, the bullet point there at medium.com. Um, and this has been played out in a few other places as well. I've read this um, somewhere else several years ago. But the first time that Bill Gates and Warren Buffett met each other, Gates was a little bit apprehensive to meet him, but, but Gates' mother apparently said, hey, you, know, you really need to meet this guy. So they met each other. And the first time they met each other, they were sitting around this round table, I'm told. And this article doesn't say that specifically that they wrote it down, but it does say that this is actually what happened. When Bill Gates first met Warren Buffett, their host, Gates' mother asked everyone around the table to share the single most important factor to their success. So everybody's sitting around. And I was told that they actually wrote it down. I'm not sure that that's true or not, but it doesn't really matter. But they all went around. Let's say they wrote it down, and they, they all went then shared it. And what is the single most important factor to your success, Warren Buffett, Bill Gates, and, and there's other you know very successful people there. And Gates and Buffett actually had the same answer. 
What's the answer? Well, this is what they said. I have learned the ability to focus. You see, there it is. It's, it's that I'm doing the right thing and then I'm focusing and doing that one thing. And that can be a little bit difficult when you're, when you're a pastor and maybe it's Saturday morning, I don't know, Friday afternoon, and you hear the ball bouncing out there and people are playing a game of basketball and it's a beautiful day and you're there in front of your scripture and you got to just stay there in your seat and focus. And that's the ability that's really the lost ability. I'm not just saying for sermon prep. I, I'm using that as an illustration, but, but really the ability to focus. They said, I learned the ability to focus. That is a lost art in our day. Our day is one of great distraction. So people who succeed in a lot of things are people who do the right thing. But number two, they actually are people who can focus and concentrate and sustain doing the right thing till they get that done. That's powerful. And that's significant for us. So um, I want to talk now. I'm going to shift a little bit our focus. And I want to talk briefly about the idea of aspiring within your God-given roles. So I've given the concept of productivity. I've talked about the idea of focusing in a very distracted world. And I want to talk about the two components um, that you need to be thinking about in regards to this. And that is your roles the various hats that you wear in your life and your goals and making sure that your goals are connected to your roles. Okay. So all Christians are called to their roles, right? Ephesians chapter six talks about that. And what we're doing, we're called to those roles to be pleasing to God, not pleasing to other people. And that all, all the area, every area of the Christian life is part of their calling. Whether you eat, drink, whatever you do, you do it all to the glory of God. Okay. Those are key principles. So what are your roles? And let's, let's define those roles. And um, I would like to ask you this. Can you identify five to seven of your key roles, the key hats that you wear? What are these? These are God-given aspirations where God has placed or positioned you to serve him and other people. I'll give you some examples of what I mean by this. Um, so you, maybe you're a husband. You're a father. You're a family member. You have general, you know, you have other family as well. You're a pastor. You're a neighbor. Okay, so I've given you one, two, three, four, five. Okay, so there's at least five. Can you can you identify five to seven roles? So I'm going to ask you to pause the video, and I want you to think about the various hats, the various roles that you wear in your life. Okay, just do that for me. Just pause the video, and then tell me what you which ones you you um, write those down. Which um, are the various hats that you wear? Okay, so these, of course, should match your vision, mission, and vision, your life goal statement. Challies, author of Do More Better, suggests having a limited, limited mission statement for each one of these areas of responsibility. I, I, I haven't, I've played around with that a little bit. I haven't actually done that, but I want, I'm trying to throw out resources to you. So here's another resource, Do More Better, and that could be helpful, helpful for you, at least for some of those roles. 
But overall, you should have a personal life mission statement and vision statement for all the categories of your life that we talked about on the Wheel of Life. Okay, so can you identify five to uh, seven of your goals? So that's the question, and um, you have those in front of you. Now, how many did you find? You might say, well, why did you tell me five to seven? Well, if you have less than five roles, you probably, potentially, could not actually be um, reaching your optimal service potential. If you have more than seven or eight roles, like you have like 11 or 12, then you probably are leveraging yourself beyond what you're capable of. Now, now this is not, this is, you have to individualize this, right? So I went from like seven to like 12. So I don't know where that line is, but that, but what, Studies have shown is that most people have about five to seven roles. Some people have, you know, maybe eight, but five to seven roles, that's where most people are comfortable with and can actually manage that. As soon as you have more hats than that, it gets, you, you actually don't manage all the other hats very well. If you have less hats than that, for the average person, you probably are not living up to your potential. Just kind of a very general rule of thumb, obviously. Please understand. But but at the same time, it's good to kind of give you that frame of reference to realize, okay, how many hats am I wearing? Because I'm giving responsible for every one of those hats. And obviously the hat that we're talking about today is the pastor's use of time. So you're only going to be so good in that role if you're managing that within all the other hats that you're wearing and to be able to understand that idea. So um, where has God placed you? Where, God is, where has God positioned you? And so you have that that idea. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about the idea of these roles and in in relation in reflection or excuse me in relationship with the goals. A lot of times when people make goals, what they do is they just simply put a list up and they make a list of goals. But you need to be thinking about building your goals in connection to your God-given roles. Because I want you to look at that list of roles that you wrote down when you paused the video and you wrote your own roles down. Are each one of those roles God-given? And do each one of those roles connect to your ultimate life mission statement? If you don't have a life mission statement, I, um, I actually have a seminar that I do that, that actually works through building your own personal life mission statement, your own personal vision statement, a living habits. It's about an eight or nine seminar, hour seminar. I'd love to um, share that with you. But if you, if, you don't have, um, if you don't have roles that are connected to your personal life mission statement or if you don't have goals that are connected to your roles, you don't know that that's the next best thing to do. You don't know if you're doing the right thing. You don't know if you're being effective and the thing that you're focusing on is the thing you should be doing. So you've got to really get that down. You've got to know that these are my God-given roles that I should have. So anytime you take on a new role, new responsibility, big category responsibility, you really need to pray and think about that because that is something you're going to be a steward over and will actually affect all the other things going on in your life, including your family. So um, let's talk a little bit about goals. With our goals, um, you want to aspire by setting goals. Can you identify key areas of goal development within your roles? Can you identify key areas of goal development with your roles. Just take a maybe, maybe you need to pause, just think about that. How have you set goals in the past to, so that you can actually manage your time well, that you can utilize your time well and be productive? Well, 
there's a lot of different ways you can do something. I'm going to show you one hack that I found that, that could be helpful. I'm hoping to provide some value to you. You can at least play around with it. Several years ago when I was reading through the scripture, I came to the book of Luke. And I read in Luke chapter 2, verse 52, that Jesus increased in wisdom, in stature, in favor with God, and favor with man. And I saw that and I thought, wow, that's like four categories of, of growth. Wisdom or skill, so there's, it has to do some with intellect, because in order to have wisdom, you have to have knowledge behind that. Wisdom is skill in living. So your wisdom, and then, so that's one thing. And then you have your physical development. He developed physical stature. And then your relationship with God, that would be your, your vertical relationship. And then your horizontal relationship, your relationship with others, loving God, loving others. So in wisdom, in stature, in physical, in relationship with God, relationship with others. And I thought, wow, that is four categories that we know the incarnate Christ grew in, right? And it's just there in Luke 2.52. So I thought, I wonder if I could actually design goals that, that fit my roles according to those various categories. What did I just say? <laughs> might sound, so what I try to do here to capture this is I put a little bit, I put a, a little table down here in the PowerPoint. In fact, let me make that a little bit bigger so we can see that. And in that PowerPoint, um, I put this, this table and I put across the top wisdom, physical, God, others. Those are the four categories in Luke 2.52. Now, again, I, I just want to say, first of all, that this is not prescriptive. This is not, this is not going to make you holier if you do this. I just had this idea and just came to me and I thought, just, just to kind of maybe get you thinking new thoughts or get you kind of out of, the, of a rut that you've been doing in your own goal making, I'm going to share this hack with you and you can think about if it's valuable to you. So what I did is, is I took wisdom, physical, God, others, and then you take your various roles. Uh, you could put, you know, your hat as a pastor, uh, your, your husband, rule number two. Uh, your father, number three. You, you know, number four would be your neighbor. Whatever it is, five to seven roles or whatever you had. Maybe you had eight or nine. I don't know. But whatever it is, you put your roles down there and then you think, okay, in the, in the center, you're looking at whatever, what's a goal that I could have? So I take like, um, and some of these don't even, there's no correlation at all. It's like, like okay, what does that, what does physical have to do with that? But, but physical can do. For, for example, when I did this uh, after I had children, um, um, I had been doing, I had done this periodically, you know, maybe every other year or something like that, just as doing different ways to do different goals. And I came to having children and I looked at my role. Number two is, you know, I'm a father. And then I came over to the physical category and what's a goal, what's a goal of being a father and my own physical, um, um, health. And I still thought about that. Well, in order to be able to play with my kids in order to be able to keep up with my kids, I need to have stamina, right? So I'm like, okay, let me make a goal here that I need to, now I have new motivation while I need to exercise or, you know, whatever it is. So, I mean, you can think it through um, however you want to, but I think you get the idea that like what, what you're doing is you're thinking through that and you're just trying to think outside the box. A lot of times there's no correlation at all. You're coming through and you're thinking, okay, this has no, there's no correlation why that is, but, but, but nonetheless, it just kind of gets you starting to think about this. And then you can then make your, make your list of goals, but now you know that your goals are connected to your roles and, now, and your roles are connected to categories that we know um, are significant, like wisdom, your physical strength and, and growth, and God and others. And obviously, we're talking about a baby developing, I realize, but nonetheless, these could be helpful categories. So we're just having some fun with that, and, and I think you can see how we're utilizing that. So um, with that in mind, I just want to go back to 
this idea of the will, um, yes, these, these should match my mission, vision, life goal statements, which is, we've talked about a little bit as well. Those are very significant. So I just want to go back to the will of life. Um, I trust that that diagnostic um, that you did on yourself was helpful and that uh, you're able to get some clarity on maybe where you need to begin. In fact, what area you need to be looking at first to, be, to, to have optimal leverage for all the other areas of growth in the, um, all the other categories growing also in your life. <clears throat> so um, I really appreciate being able to do this session. And if you have any questions, you can reach out to me in my email. I'd love to help out. I'd love to be a resource to you. And I hope that this has been an encouragement to you. So the Lord bless you. Thank you.